Hey gang! Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts is funded by Patreon. Join for early access to special bonus episodes and exclusive material, including the upcoming Scooby-Doo Book Club. Joining is the best way that you can be a part of shaping the material we produce, and we are super thankful to everyone who contributes. Thank you to David Green, Kyle Michaud, Katie Maxwell, Jordan Ferguson, Pablo Corden, Matthew Bang, Blake Sawyer, Ashley Martinez, Dan Reed, Gabriel Pesek, Toj, Jade Core, Wynn Richport, Samuel Chesser, Bradford N. Smith, Page on Gaming, and Alicia Harper for funding this episode. Welcome to Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts. The original podcast that painstakingly goes through all Scooby-Doo media in search of those to Scooby-Doo absolutely or Scooby-Don't under any circumstance. I'm your host, Billy. And I'm your host, Amelia. And we're watching The People versus Fred Jones. Well, I may not be a big city lawyer, Amelia, but I sure do know an episode of Big Cool Scooby-Doo when I done seen one. Thank you. I, I'm happier to have that out of my system now. Here we are. End of the first season of Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Yep. Uh, it is... About fucking time. <laughs> and it's in a courtroom. But also, in an abandoned town in North America who is suffering toxic fallout due to some sort of chemical disaster. And I would argue that both of these are equally interesting settings, but maybe not in the same episode. In no way is a courtroom ever an interesting setting for anything. Never. You Well, I would argue that Judge Mathis did a pretty good job of using it. I didn't see them use any other sets. That was a bottle episode every day. Because I'm pretty sure it was daily. Um... You went to Mathis and not Judy, eh? I did. Interesting. Yeah. I, you know what? I'll say it. I enjoyed Judge Mathis more. I never watched either. Because once more for the audience, I had cable growing up as a child because I lived in a civilization, not a cornfield. Well, out in the cornfield, that's what I called Mathis country. <laughs> absolutely not. That is it's absolutely fundamentally not true. Uh, would So, at first glance, yeah. in this episode here of yeah. Be Cool Scooby-Doo, a man is running from something in the woods. Whoa, whoa, whoa. This man has a name, and it is Marty McFly. Did you see the outfit he was in? I saw the outfit, but I also don't remember Marty McFly growing a mustache. Because take one moment and try to imagine Michael J. Fox in a mustache. People can change, Billy. Ever. I I urge you, any time in his life, imagine Michael J. Fox with a mustache, and I still don't think it works. This joke that Amelia's making is empirically wrong it's... because a man would never grow a mustache N ever in a million N years. Okay, you're putting a lot more force into what I've said. I just meant that the mustache de deflected me from seeing what you were seeing. But you've put it on the screen now, and my god, that is literally... 
Martin McFly's outfit, and you have completely won this. <laughs> I I can't argue. A vest like that, those colors, that's just that's just Martin McFly and, and perhaps a fake mustache that Doc Brown has made him wear. Get over the mustache! I, I can't. I'm sorry, I, I have a fixation. Anyway, I, I mean, so alright, so Marty is running. He is tripping. He's hitting trees. There is a lot of physical... Don't say comedy, because it's not funny. ...ailments that he is probably going to be suffering for a while after this. And I'm going to be honest, I thought that's why Fred was on trial. I legitimately thought this was going to be about the collateral damage that occurs during a Scooby-Doo mystery. Uh, and instead, we have much more of a clear setup. I wanted Fred to actually get his comeuppance for what he's done week to week. I thought, I think it's high time the Mystery Incorporated gang go on trial. So I gotta say, a little disappointed that that's not where we went. The title kind of implies that the People versus Fred Jones is going to be like every old villain filing some sort of lawsuit against Fred. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of them have the grounds for it. Oh, surely. I mean, Daphne they, they mentions a, how many times they break the law every week. They get a good DA and they're covered. I mean, what what was the magician on Vasquez Island doing that was illegal? Get a good attorney and take this boy's ass to jail. He, he wasn't doing anything that many people with metal detectors have been trying to do. He's just looking for old money. Once money is old, it's free to take. But this is one specific monster-related mystery that has sent Fred to jail. To court, rather. And, uh, I'm, I'm not having it. I think there was a better way to take this. And there is a joke later on where you look at the jurors' box, mm -hmm. and they're like, look at this group of unbiased peers of Fred Jones, and, like, Oopsie the Clown is there, and Captain Cutler is there... And, like, I think the twins from the Gackling Green Ghost I episodes mean, were there. And that should have been the episode, not just a sight gag. A hundred percent. I mean, remember Seinfeld? No. Rem well. What is Seinfeld? So it, <laughs> it, it's a television program uh, that one Larry David executive produced. He's the guy who did Curbed. Okay, so you are asked what something is. Someone legitimately doesn't know what something is, and the first thing you do is to bring the executive producer into it, as if that's going to clear something up for me. I'm gonna be honest, Amelia. With the look you were giving me, I panicked at how to both progress the narrative of our conversation forward, but also not mansplain Seinfeld. I just wanted to bring up the finale! <laughs> how, like, the end of Seinfeld, they had the gang go on trial, and everybody they had inconvenienced over the run of the show got their licks in. And they should have revived Seinfeld 20 years later where they're all getting out of prison for that, the crimes of inconveniencing people of New York. And Elaine should have said, I'm not going anywhere. I like it in here. I mean, there's still time. 
Honestly, every year that Seinfeld doesn't come back is just another year that I think they are in prison for poor behavior. I want to see Jason Alexander tatted up. Oh, Jason Alexander's dead within a week of being in well, prison. Well, here's the thing. between I feel like it kind of... Jason Alexander and Julia Louise Dreyfus are just like the ones I would be happy to see getting work nowadays. So. She had Veep. She did. <laughs> she got. She broke the curse. She got dozens of awards for Veep. Good for her. And Kramer said the N word on stage. He did. Well, that's why I'm. You know what? That's why I think maybe he needs to stay there. And Jerry is. No better. <laughs> maybe better. Maybe better. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot. That went on there. Premise, Billy? Perhaps we can have one before we hit the 10 minute mark. Fred has to go to court after being accused of being the evil mastermind behind a recent mystery. He is defended by Daphne, who has, quote, become a lawyer, end quote, by playing a video game. So what chance does he have being found not guilty? I do enjoy the quotes around become a lawyer. Well, I guess we'll start there then. The Daphne dilemma. She has, quote, become a lawyer, unquote, because she's playing a video game. Yes. A uh, side-scrolling platformer. <laughs> Bippy's Law School Adventure. Bippy's. Bippy's. You bet you're Bippy, it's Bippy's. Who the fuck is writing this series? Were you born in the 1930s? Bet your bippy? I bet I bet my bippy. Where do I know that from? From Muppets something or other. Yes. Either from the 70s or Muppets Tonight. I'm pretty sure Bunsen Honeydew at one point says Ooh, it's a Bunsen bippy. line. It is a thousand percent a Bunsen line. Yeah. Might be Muppet Treasure Island. I feel like it's not a movie. I feel okay. like it is a show. Your bippies. He's laughing about bippies. Your bippies showing? Is he pointing at someone's he is, dick? And I think he's it? talking about your little bippy. Anyways. Yeah. We've already spent our riff time on Seinfeld. <laughs> Daphne. What's the deal with your bippy? <laughs> Daphne finishes the video game and becomes a lawyer because that's how you do it. Yep. And Velma is obviously against this because she knows that this is not how you do it. And they make a bet. And they before do. we talk about that bet, real quick, I just want to say that Daphne thinks that a video game, a side-scrolling platform video game, can replace years of law school. Mm -hmm. She sounds like a fucking cop. They only need six months in an academy to enforce law, but lawyers need eight plus years to defend it. Fuck you, Daphne. Well, lawyers need Fan more. Ice. And here's the thing. It, you keep saying, it was a side-scrolling video game. I'm pretty sure it's the same console that we saw those kids play in the campground. Uh, yeah, rectangular, flat, no defining marks on it whatsoever, and no fucking buttons. So it's gotta be just her phone. It's a tap game. A tap side-scroller. It is. But, I mean, I was thinking, I would think that her theory would have more legs if she was playing an Ace Attorney video game. Because that's a real video game franchise that I believe is fairly accurate to the law. Because you got to know when to yell objection, and you got to know what you're actually objecting about. So that's teaching you more than a side-scroller. 
I mean, it's probably only teaching you in the same amount that, like, playing Guitar Hero teaches you to play guitar. Yeah, which is to say, say... Not at all. No. But it's, uh, it's a fun gag. She does get into it, and she does sort of, like, keep citing the gang for things that they're not doing legally. A lot of it is common sense. Shaggy and Scooby, you cannot break into a truck and steal two hazmat suits. You don't have to be a lawyer to know that's illegal. So Daphne finally showing some common sense in no way the way that you want her to, though. This is still an obnoxious way for her to be. How do you feel about her lawyer suit? It is a woman's suit. Mm -hmm. What about it? It's gorgeous. It's a plain woman's suit. It's quite purple. It's just a good color. It's a good color on anybody. I, di I did laugh that uh, Daphne does a, a pretty good job of being a lawyer throughout this episode, except for one moment when she yells, Objection! My client's not on trial here! When he is, and that's the point, and that's the reason you're in this room. I would not say that she's a good lawyer in any way. This is like Michael Bluth defending the Bluth family in their mock trial and calling a puppet to the stand. Well, he... Uh, sometimes it's a savant move like that. <laughs> where you don't, you don't know that you know what you're doing, but actually, you know what you're doing. Daphne doesn't know what she's doing. It's proven via the bet she makes with Velma. Velma yes. says she cannot be a lawyer from a video game. Daphne bets her hair that she can be. Whoever loses the bet has to clip off all their hair down to the scalp. And... With the caveat that you need to do it poorly. And Daphne beats this video game, and then Velma just, like, lets all her hair get cut off. Like, you can beat a video game, and that doesn't prove anything. And I then mean, at the end of the episode, when the judge is like, where did you get your lawyer degree? And learns that it's a video game, Daphne then also has to cut off her hair. So Daphne just went at one of her closest friends with a pair of scissors over a bet that, like, she really shouldn't have gone through with actually cutting off Velma's hair yeah, I mean, because she lost a bet. Maybe it's, it's because... Daphne was allowed to at least argue the case. Now, do you need to be a lawyer to argue a case in a courtroom? I know that you need to have, like, certain licenses and stuff. Like, you have to pass a bar exam. But if I represent myself, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm still allowed to represent myself? I don't know how that works. Why can't my buddy represent me? He's just as good as me. Oh, I know we have a large crew of lawyers who listen to this podcast. Big upscale market here. <laughs> Again, you have the power of Google at your fingertips. Google it on your own time. Do you have anything else for Daphne? I have, I have nothing else. Alright then. Velma spends this episode in the courtroom totally bald and has the most hideously shaped head I wrote I've this. ever seen. Her head shape is not good. It's like, it is monstrously swollen. She has a Neanderthal brow. It, it would have been nice if the people animating this fucking show had, like, ever seen a human. I mean, but you know what? Good on Velma for going through with it. Because if that was me and that was my head shape, I feel like if Velma should have been more emotional about it. 
should have, you know, really gone at Daphne. Like, no, Daphne, don't make me do it. I don't want to. My, I look so bad bald. Um, well, maybe she doesn't know that because she's never seen herself bald. And she also loves rules. So even though mm. she doesn't believe in gambling, she's still going to gamble here with her hair. She will abide by it. You know what? And the thing is that Daphne is such a terrible friend that she makes Velma go through with it. If I yes. bet, if I bet my friend her hair and then she lost that bet, I would be like, obviously, I'm not gonna make you cut your fucking hair. Just don't fucking doubt me next time. I, I, I meant like cut it, not shave it. Yeah, I mean like cut it fashionably, Velma. Yeah, I, <laughs> I bet you. And if you lose, you have to go get a nice haircut, and we will go for drinks after. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what a real friend would that's do. It. That's it. We have the bet, and whatever the result of the bet, we get a night out. My God, I could use a night out. I miss the world. No, you don't. I don't. It's fine here. <laughs> Velma has some sort of danger meter on her phone. Like a Geiger, a Geiger counter, counter as for, an app. For chemicals, not for radiation. And as if an iPhone could test the particles in the air to tell you where somewhere's safe to be. Do you remember when the iPhone was released and the best the App Store could do was pretending to drink a beer? Like, you would hold your phone up and then on the screen it would be like, you're drinking a beer. Oh my god. I was gonna say that, like, maybe there was some sort of dongle she put in there uh, to do the, to, to be a chemical tester. But let's face it, you can't even plug in headphones to an iPhone any anymore. Great burn from Velma, though. Like, might be the highlight of the episode. Uh, she claims that Daphne has beaten Super Lawyero Brothers. Super Lawyero Brothers. It was good. But it wasn't. I I genuinely enjoyed it. Okay, so it was good for Billy, not it empirically. Good, it was good for me. Empirically, it was very, very bad. Well, what about the Shaggy and Scooby shenanigans? How How are these two boys behaving today? Uh, we watched Scooby put his paw on a Bible, which leaves a terrible taste in my uh, mouth. His Christian faith is strong. And this has always been a big part of Scooby-Doo's character, that he is a ride-or-die believer in the Christian faith. Or he just reached his hand out and whatever they put there he swore on. Should have been, if he was swearing on something he cared about, should have been a box of Scooby snacks. Honestly, I mean, can courtrooms, do, do they force you to put your hand on the Bible? If I, if I requested the Koran, would they supply that? The thing is, putting your hand on a Bible is fucking worthless. It's ridiculous and that that's why, still a thing. Why would you animate it so clearly to say Bible? It said the word Bible. It said the word Bible, and that's what's putting me off. If Scooby had just put his paw on there and we had not seen any title, it would have been like, I know what's happening. But then they distinctly put the word Bible. Yeah. What the fuck? I agree. It brings in religion to a space where this I, I wasn't asking for it. This is a universe where the, Jesus was crucified. Well, the, well, the Scooby gang belongs into a universe where there is crucifixion. Okay, so that's an interesting point. Because we had Christmas already. So we knew that Jesus was born. But it wasn't until the publishing of the Bible that we had confirmation that he was crucified. Because other than that, what's that? 
Baby Born to Virgin. That's a nothing story. Baby Born to Virgin dies for sins. Baby, that's going to be published for 2,000 years. It's amazing to me that you still think Christmas has anything to do with Christ. I think it was involved in the founding. Not, the founder of the feast. Not anymore. Do you think in the last six years since this was produced that that's when Christmas lost Christ? Oh, it's become so secular and, and, and just commercial in these last six years. In 2015, it was still about Jesus. Who, who are the big hitters who have replaced Jesus in our Christian society? Capitalism. There you go. I was... <laughs> And I, the Easter Bunny. I was gonna say both Ebenezer Scrooge and the Grinch, and those are heavily capitalist characters. I guess Santa too. Santa's involved in Christmas. That's that's really the only note I have worth making on Scooby. I, I is that he knows that a man was crucified for his sins. Uh, I <laughs> I have a few here. First of all, that bit where they steal the hazmat suits. You stop looting, boys. <laughs> Stop looting a truck that you see in a parking lot outside of the abandoned town. This is before they enter the town's limits. A, a truck is parked in a parking lot and the boys loot it. Unacceptable. Uh, but also, Shaggy is such a good storyteller that everyone in the courtroom ducks down as he's talking about the monster. They are captured by his narrative. And that's impressive. I also continue to be impressed with how this series is taking their uh, let's dress up and distract the monster plots and turn that into let's dress up and have that to be a way to get away from the monster plots. Because here... But they've always been that. I feel like they haven't been as explicitly. Here, the costumes seem to lead to a plan. Okay, only in the last few episodes. Exactly, I'm agreeing. Only in the last few episodes. But here... Shaggy dressed as a professor, Scooby dressed as a student, they have a small classroom scene, and then Shaggy drags Scooby to the principal's office. That's a way out! And you can tell it was pre-planned, because they drew a little picture of what they were going to do. Uh, I will also say, Shaggy, very bad at defending Fred. Most of the evidence against Fred in this episode is presented by Shaggy. Yep. But uh, the man is on trial. The Fred Factor. Mm-hmm. Why would he let Daphne be his defense lawyer? He's way too eager for that, specifically because of how this version of Fred has treated Daphne all throughout Be Cool Scooby-Doo. I don't buy for a second he would be this eager to let Daphne be his lawyer. Um, he does it as part of the plan, which you discover at the end of the episode. He needs Daphne to do her ridiculous shit to draw stuff out until the monster eventually shows up and exonerates him. But he wouldn't. You know, we just watched 25 episodes where he is 100% done with mm -hmm. Daphne. It doesn't feel right for him to enthusiastically embrace her. To suddenly be like, you know what? I like the wacky shit. At least not without some sort of scene that justifies it. I just didn't feel like that was earned in this specific episode. Fred does mention that uh, there's a previous mystery that he mentions at the beginning of this. The mystery of the headless minotaur. Which, <laughs> how do you know it's a minotaur then? Yes, oh, delicious irony. But Fred says, he called us the M word. So, from here on out, let's 
I mean, I think we can say that. That's our word to call the gang. But if you're using uh, meddling with a hard M, then that is a problem. Scooby community, make this happen. The M word. Yeah, turn. let's turn it into a slur, everyone. Let's turn it into a really bad one. Yeah, thank you, Amelia, for bringing me back to reality. Of <laughs> These aren't just funny things. There's a world out there and it's referencing a, a whole lot of oppression. Fred steals a van. An actual crime he commits, he sees, steals a moving van full of objects. In his defense, no one told him he couldn't. It, this is an abandoned town. It's up for grabs. Yeah. Is it, though, like, I feel like would some sort of government body own the rights to this town? I don't know. Depends who founded the town. I don't know. Again, this is a legal question for all of our lawyer listeners out there. Uh, <laughs> so this is actually, a, it's a town... That it was sort of frozen in time in the 50s. That's when the disaster happened. Fred is sort of excited uh, to go investigate any antique ascots. Because the 1950s were the pinnacle of ascot vogue. Definitely an incriminating moment though, Fred. Like you're literally saying you were going to go loot this town. Which is exactly what you're blaming the other guy for. What's stopping you from going into Chernobyl? Besides maybe some fences and some common sense. And radioactive wild boars. I hear those yeah. are a problem there now. Um, it's probably some guards. Probably a, a tourist Im industry that wants to get your money to go there, so they'll stop you. Do you remember when Jeremy Wade went to fish in Chernobyl? And all he had to do was just, like, avoid, you know, radiation. So he had a Geiger counter with him, and, like, that was the only thing stopping him going from certain places was the radiation. I mean, I really don't think this town from the 50s... Who gives a shit? Go loot it. I don't know. I mean, go I'm fucking crazy. I'm not allowed to go wherever I want outside of Chernobyl. I'm, you know, private property is still a thing. But it's a dead zone. So you're saying it's all, is it all public property? It's a, de it's a dead zone. It's, n it's a... I don't know. It just feels like, is there a guard on every abandoned town in the Wild West of America? If you find a ghost town of an old gold prospecting area... There's not going to be armed guards keeping you I, out. You know what? I think my hesitancy here is it, it all does lead back to capitalism. Someone owns that. Someone owns that land. They're looking to make money off of it. But clearly, in this episode, no one is because people are going in to steal shit. That's the whole master criminal plan. I'm not saying they're doing a good job of making money off of it. I'm just saying I would hesitate. Okay. Are you done with Fred yet? Yeah, Fred picks the locks to his handcuffs. Directly in front of the judge. Like, cheekily says, Your Honor, may I? And unlocks his cuffs. No! You're in custody! I don't care what's going on. But yes, we can move on from Fred. Oddly, for an episode that's all about him on trial, I don't have a whole lot of notes. Alright then, minor mentions. A guy named Gus who has a roadside snack stand... He is a soft-spoken black man until he remembers a trauma, and then he just spazzes the fuck out. He is an incredibly vulnerable man, emotionally. He sculpts his traumas into desserts, and then every time he sees the dessert, he's reminded of the trauma. So, like, how is this helping you? I, I, I When he consumes the dessert, does that help him move past the trauma? But... Is it like confronting a fear? 
he has a pile of dogs that are a sculpture of his dog that died when he was seven, and he freaks out when he sees one, eats it, and then he's like, oh, I'm fine. But now as soon as he turns to the left, he's going to see that pile of dead dogs again. Oh, that sounds terrifying. Looking to the left and seeing a pile of dead dogs. I don't want that. Don't like Gus. I don't like his joke shtick. I don't like the DA either. He has a terrible joke yeah, shtick. Yeah, so the, the lawyer for the prosecution, District Attorney Dayton Knight, he storms out of the courtroom because he's so disgusted at Daphne being a bad lawyer. Over and over he does it. And oh, then he comes yeah. back in to be like, well, actually... She's given me something that I can question these people with. Wouldn't the judge just throw this case out? The DA has left. Yeah. Mistrial. Honestly, it was a joke that I laughed at the first time. And then I progressively lost my patience for it until at the end when he's just literally doing it like over and over. Like, I can't stop. Okay. I wish you would. Yeah. I did really wish he would. We also see him in the abandoned town, and he actually tells everybody, like, to get out of there, to stop investigating. So, you know, he's he's sort of part of the case. Would he be able to be the prosecutor in this case? Who knows? He's so sleazy, too. Like, he's literally telling the jury that thinking his way of thinking is common sense. He He keeps laying out that phrase, common sense, putting it in the... Mm, it's really manipulative. It's not It's not law talk. That's showmanship. And then the judge, who allows <laughs> anything in her courtroom because she crammed 27 Vicodin down her throat this morning. <laughs> he does not give a fuck. Uh, and you know what? A case like this, I get it. I get it. And small minor mention, want to give this a shout out. The friendly molecule from the elementary school in the abandoned town. It's a mascot's uniform. We only see it in a picture. I wrote this down because I honestly thought the friendly molecule was going to be behind it all. Think about it. It's it's a big circular costume. And then when we see this toxic mutant, he's also got this big sort of circular hunchback going on. Shaggy and Scooby make note that all the trophies were stolen. I honestly thought maybe... The mascot was left in this town when it shut down 60 years ago. And now, maybe not mutated, but maybe his costume had mutated. Just through the ravages of age. And he had just gone mad trying to (laughs) defend the trophies and the sports titles of the elementary school. And I have to say, again, made me real disappointed with what happened. Because I think I crafted a terrifying, incredibly sad, but entertaining episode. It would be like uh, that hermit in the cave where he like he's so excited the Scooby gang comes for dinner and then they run out and he's like devastated. Yes. <laughs> it would have been one of those types of, uh, oh no, it's so sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think there was a way to do it that way. But that's not what we have. Instead, uh, we have the official villain, the toxic mutant, comes from an abandoned town that was evacuated in 1955. Because uh, their chemical factory exploded. Yeah. I described him physically as a misfigured creeper, mm-hmm. nearly like an elephant man. Kind of. 
the left side of his body is undergone some giganticism. Mm-hmm. Right side, still very thin. I think it's pretty terrifying if you imagine this happening to a man. Uh, maybe. So, I, you know, I think the back half of this series has been, you know, actually giving us some good villains. Don't go crazy. Master Criminal Plan, this is the DA. He's, he's stealing shit from an abandoned 50s town. He's selling old trophies and poodle skirts. Feasibility? This is not a crime. Very much not a crime. The DA should know this isn't a crime. It's not a crime! This is a 60-year-old abandoned town. No one has claimed it yet. It's up for grabs. Let's say theoretically it is a crime. I still have two problems with the feasibility. Number one, that he brings minions into it. This guy's got delusions of grandeur here that he can hire minions like he's some sort of Batman villain. And you know what that is? That's laziness. Carry it to the truck yourself. You don't need minions. And two, you're the fucking district attorney. Do you not have enough money from your day job? That's a prime position, I have to think. You're the attorney for the whole goddamn district. Is it clear that I don't know what a district attorney is? Pretty much. But I still think they make more money than me. And I'm not looting any towns. So what's your terror scale? I quite liked this monster. Not as much as the Vikings, because I I really feel like I went to bat for the Vikings, and I will still give them their glory. I'm going to give this mutant an 8. This is such a boring mutant. Discounting the giantism that really, if he wasn't attacking you... Would you be scared of him? If you saw a man with those physical disabilities, would you recoil in disgust on the street? Like he's just trying to buy a newspaper and you're screaming <laughs> in the background about what a hideous, horrible monster this is? This is a boring mutant. He's not even oozing. Mutants are supposed to ooze. He's got a two. You know what? Now I, I do feel very bad because you're right. I, I feel empathy for this man. I, that is what I think I would feel. So, I mean, I've said my number, but let it be known, I should have felt empathy. General thoughts and feelings. The one thing I thought we were going to get in this episode was Rashomon. I wanted different people on the stand telling different versions of the story and getting evidence from new angles. That's the classic trial format, actually. And we only got that for one scene where Shaggy misremembered the defense attorney uh, tripping over a fire hydrant, getting his pants eaten by a giraffe, dumped by his girlfriend, and then a hawk flies off with a giraffe. So we got one moment like that, but like, I wanted Scooby-Doo to remember, and everyone would be like, I think that's well overplayed. As I said it, I remembered we've actually seen that in several Scooby-Doo episodes before. Maybe there's a reason they didn't go to it this time. I have two general feelings. One, where's the bailiff when the mutant runs in? Bailiffs have guns. He's not performing his bailiff duties. That mutant would have been on his ass pretty damn quick. Mm -hmm. Two, the jury is full of former villains. Yes. So convicted felons. 
Can a convicted felon sit on a U.S. jury? Because they can't vote. Right. So why would they be on the jury? Seems like that's the one benefit of being a felon is that you get out of jury duty. But two, they should also definitely be biased against the gang, right? Yeah. Since they actually know... If you personally know the defendant, you shouldn't be able to be on that jury. I mean, like, they go... They try to be so unbiased that, like, if you're a teacher and it's a minor that is on trial kind of thing, like, they they won't have you on there because you might be a teacher that hates kids. So, like, there's your bias. And I, I believe both parties, both lawyers get to vet the jurors. So this is a problem with Daphne being a lawyer. Daphne did a bad job on her end of vetting these jurors. She should have been like, oh, that man in the diving suit might have something against Fred. But also it's... Also, I feel like you have to show your face as a juror. It's not... Like, it was a sight gag that they just carried over because in the first half of this episode, it's a regular jury sitting in that box. It's people we've never seen before. We see them from the back and it's none of the people that are then in the jury for the sight gag of a jury of your peers. Well, what do you make of it overall, Amelia? Not a great way to end a season, I don't think. It could have been. It feels like it should be a wrap-up episode. It it felt going into this like it was going to be a wrap-up bringing things in. But instead we get this, like, weird gay black man that eats his feelings and a bad mutant and a DA that gets his ass bit by a giraffe. Like, what the fuck is this? It's inter- Personally, I think I enjoyed the stuff with the toxic abandoned town a lot more than the actual trial stuff. Wow, it's almost like I said 40 minutes ago that a courtroom is never an interesting setting for media ever. And you did say that. <laughs> I I was looking forward to the gimmick of something new. And instead, I feel like in Be Cool, I'm really attaching to myself to when they go back to basics. I like Scooby-Doo, and so I would like them to do it. We'll just have to see what happens in season two. Uh, not before we get through other things. A nice reprieve. Yeah, coming up next, we are going to do a stack count. And then, gonna hit up some movies. Gonna see what we missed in between seasons one and two of Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Movies? I think most of it is like more YouTube shorts, honestly. I, I'm pretty sure there is at least one Lego movie in there. Oh, I'm sure there's That's a couple right. of movies. I but forgot I, about the Lego shorts, there's, too. There's, like, Lego shorts with, with, there's Lego, there's Playmobil, like, there's so many YouTube things coming up. Yeah. Play- and also, the first episode of our podcast. Yes! <laughs> quickly approaching. In this period, like, somewhere between the first and last episode of season one of Be Cool Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts started airing. We are... In the post-Scooby-Doo's or Scooby-Don'ts era, where the creators started listening to our podcast, started taking our advice, and I'm really excited to see how they've integrated everything we've said so far. I haven't seen a gay Mr. Wickles yet, so clearly nothing from our first episode was taken to heart. I mean, we can just wait. We're not at the po- We're not in that era yet. We've just watched Be Cool. I think we would have heard about a gay <laughs> Mr. Wickles by now, Billy. Listeners, if you'd like to reach out to us, we're both active on Twitter. I am at the Billy Seaguire. Amelia is at Fatal Amelia. And we can be found collectively at Scooby underscore Dews. Our old episodes stream on our WordPress, Tumblr, and YouTube page. 
We have a Patreon page. We're both on Instagram under our Twitter handles. And I have my own personal YouTube page, Fatal Amelia, where I post spooky stuff. Absolutely no courtroom dramas. And that's, that's a promise that she will keep. I, however, trying to hear what sounds are coming from the walls of my apartment. I'm going to edit out all those sounds from the podcast. No one knows what you're talking about. Well, then they're just going to think I'm sort of, I'm going mad, and they wouldn't be wrong to do it. And on that note... Is this a Scooby-Doo or a Scooby-Doll? Oh, I thought we did that already. I would, I would say this is a Scooby-Maybe, because for me, it's a do for the toxic town and a don't for the courtroom. Give me the version of this where it's the toxic town and Mr. Molecule is the villain. And I am a happy boy. So just rewrite history, just revise history for Billy, and he'll give this a Scooby-Doo. I, on the other hand, am going to go don't. And I'm not going to justify why. Go listen to the past 25 (laughs) episodes of this series. You want to hear why. I feel like even if you just listen to this one, you understand. That's the justification. And on that note. That's it from Scooby-Dooby-Us. To Scooby-Dooby-Us. long one today yeah do you have to do that every time i feel like i've kept it fairly short recently